0: The eyes of the world, the eyes of the populations of the world are on you and we have your numbers. That lingering century leaves remain and we'll see what comes next. We
1: need to make sure that what sits there on a piece of paper is actually going to turn into tangible, actionable projects on the ground that are going to make a difference to people's lives. Hello, you're listening to Bloomberg Westminster, your daily guide to British politics. I'm Caroline Hepke. So Conservative candidate Louis French won Old Bexley and Sidcup with over half the votes, the first electoral contest after an especially bruising period for Boris Johnson's government. The Tories won 51% of the vote in Old Bexley. That is down from 65% in 2019. And their majority was slashed, just 4,478 votes as turnout also slumped to 34%. Compare that to 2019 when it was a 70% turnout. But Keir Starmer's Labour Party did come in second with an increased vote share. Labour MP and Shadow Solicitor General Ellie Reeves helped to run the campaign. It's very, very clear that there are people in this seat that have voted Conservative uh, for many, many years but actually are fed up of this government uh, and wanted a change, wanted to send a message and that's why we've seen that big swing that we've had here. So that was Labour's Ellie Reeves. Well, the by-election was prompted by the death of the former Conservative Cabinet Minister, James Brokenshaw, and it is the subject of our special programme to date. So joining me this morning is Rob Ford, who is Professor of Political Science at the University of Manchester and the author of Brexit Land and the recently published British General Election 2019. So who better to talk to uh, about this by-election than Rob? Welcome to the show again really good to have you on. So the Tories won in a seat that that they've held since it was created in 1983 and even before that when it was just Bexley but this time with a reduced majority. Firstly, just what did you make of this result?
2: Um, Well, I think on balance I would say it is a good result for the Conservatives Um, kind of for three reasons. Firstly, as you mentioned this has been a pretty turbulent uh, month or so for the government. Uh, so uh, it's the kind of situation where you might think if voters are really uh, annoyed uh, with the incumbent, we might see that expressed in a very large by-election swing. We've seen that already in this parliament in Chessna and Amersham, for example, the 25-point swing. This was only uh, you know, a 10-point swing, which is actually kind of below the historical average mm. for by-elections with, a, with an incumbent government defending Uh, a seat. Secondly, uh, this is a very leave-leaning seat, certainly extremely leave-leaning by London standards, and it had the Reform UK leader standing uh, as uh, a candidate. Uh, I'm old enough to remember a time when senators quaked with fear at the prospect of uh, a kind of eurosceptic radical right candidate running against them, let alone a party leader. You'll remember, like, by elections like Clacton. Yes. um, And, um, oh, the one in Kent, Mark Reckless, which is just down the road from Bexley. Um, uh, But here, they've got 6.5%, which would suggest that Leave voters are not yet uh, disaffected enough with the Conservative government uh, to vote uh, against it in in very large uh, numbers. Thirdly, um, the other reason is history suggests that, um, you know, governments that go on to lose do very badly in by-election. You know, they, they really struggle ever to hold them. So the fact that this is a comfortable hold, albeit with a large fall in turnout, uh, suggests that although Johnson and his government have had a hard a couple of months, they're, they're still not in, in sort of critical danger, as I speak.
1: It's true. I mean, only a few years ago, um, Richard Tice was on the programme and that was, you know, very much the focus of our conversation. Um, So do you think that he will be disappointed then by that six and a half percent vote? Obviously, the successor to the Brexit party and he chose to stand in that by-election. But is that sort of, is it it a fading then uh, threat to the Tories?
2: Well, I I can't see how it can be anything but disappointing, Mm. uh, given that he is the leader of the party. They are the party that's attempting to challenge the Conservatives from the Eurosceptic right. Traditionally, in the last 15 years or so, that has been the direction from which the Conservatives have been most vulnerable. And we have started to see some evidence in polling of some growing disaffection uh, with Johnson and the Conservatives amongst Leave voters. The most recent YouGov polling showed Johnson had a net negative rating from Leave voters for the first time ever. Um, you know the the share. I mean, a growing number of Leave voting twenty nineteen conservatives have been saying they don't know how they're going to vote at the next election. So you would think this is the kind of situation in which a pool of disaffected, hardline Leave voters would start to appear. Um, you know, where uh, a, a party that's really the successor to Ukip would start to, to sort of find its feet. yeah. Um, but relative to the kind of performances that UKIP achieved before Brexit, this is pretty poor, yeah. 7%. Um, you know, I don't, I don't think, you know, back in the days of Nigel Farage, they would be happy with a result like that. They got results like that much higher than that in seats that were much less propitious in terms of, you know, share of uh, Eurosceptic voters. Uh, back in the past. So a very poor result
1: for them. Well, look, you mentioned um, the the polling. The Tory party now neck and neck with Labour in the national opinion polls. Boris Johnson's own personal poll rating has slumped. Um, The Tories, of course, blamed the diminished um, uh, numbers of votes they got on on the lack of turnout. And remember, it's kind of cold and miserable at the minute. Um, Does it reflect disillusionment with Johnson? Oliver Dowden admitted that the sleaze allegations, you know, Affected voters, perhaps, that sort have of admitted that there was some um, uneasiness about that. And even the MP who's been elected uh, has pledged to quit his day job in finance in order to work for constituents. So maybe that's a big factor, too.
2: Yes, maybe. I mean, it is a slump in turnout that's towards the top end of what we see in by elections, although it's not unprecedented. Uh, and there was a by election in Lewisham in, 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 in Inner London a few years ago that had a similar fall in turnouts, particularly in seats where people aren't expecting the seat to change hands. You can get big drops in turnout. It's also not a great time of year if you're having a by-election, cold, wet December, Thursday and so on. But all that said, though, this is a, a kind of relatively high turnout seat traditionally. Um, so that, you know, that, that would push in the other direction. So it's, it's kind of hard to know conclusively whether or not people are staying at home. Mm. Um, because they're hacked off with the Conservatives or whether they're staying at home simply because they don't expect anything to change with the seat and they don't really want to go out on a cold December um, um, morning. Of course, it could be both. Uh, It could be a bit of both. I mean, it's it's a concern, certainly. You'd rather see a higher turnout than that of the other Conservatives.
1: Well, what do you think all of this means for Labour, of course? After the Cabinet reshuffle, um, I mean, we just heard from Ellie Reeves there, the Labour MP. Um, she also said that the 10% swing showed that Labour um, was showing that even for the Tory heartland voters, in her words, Boris Johnson's jokes aren't funny anymore. I mean, I, I guess this is perhaps, you know, a new line of attack for Labour, refreshed front front bench. How much does that play then?
2: Well, I mean, obviously, like Labour spokespeople have to put a brave face on this, but they've got to be disappointed um, with a swing, which, as I say, is is really, you know, towards the the lower half of the historical averages. You know, when when Labour were, you know, clearly in a run-up to government in the 1990s, they achieved much larger swings than this, in often very safe conservative seats. Mm. You know, if if, if you're a Labour government with aspirations to overturn a very large conservative majority what you want to see is the mobilisation of discontent that makes essentially every Conservative seat uh, a risk. And when you also contrast it with what happened in Chesham and Amersham, where the Lib Dems achieved a 25-point swing, those are the kinds of earthquake swings that used to happen when Labour were in the run-up to government. So the truth is, it's disappointing for them, because it suggests that the last month or so, which they had been hoping would be a kind of sea-change moment for the public, perhaps a return the kind of mid-90s, you know, outrage with sleaze interruptions corruption, that's not manifesting itself yet, it would seem. Not at, not at the kind of levels that they would want to see.
1: Well, will it manifest itself, of course, in just a couple of weeks' time when we have another by-election, North Shropshire, for a seat um, that that was occupied by the former Tory minister Owen Paterson. He was found to have committed an egregious breach of paid lobbying rules. This was at the heart of the kind of lobbying and sleaze scandal. Chances of a Lib Dem upset? This is, um, yeah, this is in just a couple of weeks.
2: Yeah, I mean, it's an interesting contrast because, you know, in in North In in Old Brexit, you had a generally very popular, uh, well-liked young MP who dies tragically young in a a, a seat that has Tory heritage going all the way back to World War uh, II, you know, Ted Heath's seat for a long time, whereas North Shropshire, once upon a time, pre-Brexit, was actually quite a battleground seat that had been quite strong there. You have an MP who's, like, you know, mired in scandal, resigns as a result of being mired in in scandal, so You know, any any personal affinity to the Conservatives is probably much um, eroded. And a different opposition party that has a a, a longer-standing history of being competitive in the area, they're kind of moving the dial from most difficult to most easy in terms of mobilising the corruption narrative. So it is going to be interesting. I mean, it's another seat where they start with a really huge uh, majority. Um, But, I mean, for the Conservatives in particular... (coughs) You know, a, a loss in North Shropshire would, would essentially erase any benefits from Old Beckley and Sidcup in terms of the general political conversation, and would once again, you know, we'd get, they'd be going into the Christmas break with a lot of very anxious Conservative MPs. Not least because in the south of England, at least, there's a lot more Conservative MPs who face a second place Lib Dem challenge than there are Conservative MPs who face a second place. Labour challenges, credible challenges, that is. So uh, a, a win in North Structure for the, for the Liberal Democrats would ring a lot of alarm bells for quite a lot of mm. Conservative MPs, including some pretty senior figures.
0: The countdown has begun. From May 14th to 16th, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Carter Economic Forum, powered by Bloomberg. Join heads of state influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections, gain unique insights and uncover valuable opportunities in one of the world's most rapidly rising regions. Request your invite for this exclusive event at QatarEconomicForum.com.
1: Joining me now is Jerry Jones who is senior counsel for corporate affairs at Grayling was spokesperson for the former prime minister Theresa May and well versed in journalism and politics Jerry welcome back to the program thanks so much for being with me so the conservatives have kept this seat with a significantly reduced majority 18952 versus 4478 now for Louis French how happy do you think the conservatives are going to be with that
3: um. It's particularly, uh, you know, midterm. A win's a win, uh, so I think they will be. They will be happy with that. But they know there's another by-election in North Shropshire ra- just round the corner. So uh, ultimately, uh, this is part of, you know, a sort of two-stage process at the moment. So they will be not complacent uh, because they're very, very different uh, the two. Uh, and I think that, uh, our, that ultimately, this was always going to be a tough ask for Labour. Uh, so none of the parties should be really Patting themselves on the back too much because the Conservatives obviously did see their majority significantly reduced, and Labour, there's no real indication that Keir Starmer is is generating significant momentum on the on the doorstep.
1: Yeah, I thought that's uh, yeah that's interesting. What about the Reform Party? They won 6.5% of the vote. This is uh, Richard Tice. The right wing had been such a threat to Conservatives pre- and post-Brexit, but not now, it seems.
3: No, it does feel so different to the, Mm. the, the period when... Obviously, uh, Nigel Farage and, uh, and his colleagues were really putting the wind up uh, the Conservatives and threatened for a while to completely reshape the electoral uh, dynamic. Uh, I mean, the story from the past couple of elections has been that we are basically back in England and Wales to straight two-party politics, Labour, Labour versus Tory. Uh, and wh- while the Lib Dems may feel that they still have something that they can say about that to demonstrate that they're, they're, they're a force and they are... Are, you know, fighting very hard on the ground in, in North Shropshire, uh, then are the the other significant party that had, as I, as I say, threatened to. To really remodel the electoral arithmetic uh, the, the, on, on to the right of the Conservatives, uh, it's just not happening. It, it really feels as though so much coalesced around the individual personality uh, of Nigel Farage, and I know that he's continuing to sort of tease us all with the idea that he might still be tempted back into into frontline into frontline politics. But I think, unless and, and less than until he uh, he does, uh, then the Tories, uh, while as ever not complacent, don't have too much to worry about on that flank of the party.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Politics remaining fluid as ever. Nigel Farage, uh, a politician and broadcaster now. Um well how much do you think that the sleaze allegations affected voters? I mean that was obviously what the conservatives were worried about most. Oliver Dowden the Tory chairman admitting that they did feature and the candidate himself did too. Um, the, this doesn't seem to be turning the tide really in the way that it did just ahead of Tony Blair in the 90s does it have the same potency slees
3: um i don't think it's done yet uh, uh, there are still uh, a lot of a sort of myriad of uh, investigations that are ongoing around individual uh, parliamentarians there are also new rules uh, around lobbying that, of course, have been brought forward by um, the uh, committee that's chaired by the, the Labour MP, Chris Bryant, uh, that will probably, whichever way you slice it, prompt quite a significant row within within the Commons. Um, so you're right. I don't think it's uh, a determining factor uh, on the doorstep for that many voters uh, right at the moment. But there are two issues to it. One is that... Um, I mean, I would expect it to be more prominent, obviously, in Owen Paterson's former seat, because yeah. you know he was at the heart of it, so that's North, North Shropshire. Um, but the other is that it has betrayed, or it, it has laid bare, divisions within the Conservative uh, Parliamentary Party and a failure... Of uh, organisation and decision making at the heart in, in Downing Street that has undermined the authority of the uh, of the Prime Minister. So um, whether or not so that I think is, is a real problem, uh, and it feels as though conservative, rebellious, conservative or restive conservative parliamentarians are really on the march at the moment, and they don't feel that they need to be listening to Downing Street or towing the towing the party line in the way that they would have done before all this blew up.
1: Mm. Are they going to have to um, gather together a little more firmly, as you say? There's there are a couple more by-elections to come now uh, for Sir David Amos's seat uh, of South End West, of course after he was tragically murdered. But um, the Labour and Lib Dem uh, are not putting forward candidates there. Mark of respect. So that that sort of. Looks to be fairly straightforward, but in just a couple of weeks' time, North Shropshire by-election there, seat of the disgraced former Tory minister Owen Paterson, um, and that's you know that could well present uh, the possibility for an upset from the Liberal Democrats, possibly.
3: Uh, well, it, I mean, it's a, it's a massive majority, isn't it? Like it's yes. over twenty thousand, I think. So, um,
0: uh, it's a big I, ask.
3: I, I, it, it is a big ask. If the Lib Dems were were to able were able to claim that, then that, then that would be uh you know the big political story of december um it would be a very impressive uh achievement but i think that the conservatives there is a lot of there is some nervousness in cchq around uh, that particular by-election so look let's wait and see i still would be surprised because it's so, the 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 majority is so significant uh but if it if it does if 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 the, if the majority is really slashed uh, mm. at, or indeed the Lib Dems win, then I think, it, again, it will play back to the Prime Minister having really grievously mishandled this whole affair. And mm. he will be directly in the firing line. And many MPs, though they might not necessarily say it on the airwaves, will actually blame him for that.
1: Yeah, and and there is disillusionment with Boris Johnson, isn't, isn't there? I mean, his personal poll ratings amongst voters, of course, are slummed. But also the Tory party neck and neck now with Labour in national opinion polls Um, and they have had you know several weeks uh, recently of of just shocking headlines but I guess this is kind of a win for Johnson it does give him a little bit more space but but is the shine the kind of Teflon coating coming off Johnson? Uh,
3: Yes uh, undoubtedly uh, because of Self-inflicted wounds and really mm. bad mistakes—you know, errors of judgment—that were made uh, over the Owen Patterson case—and we'll have to see, of course, whether their judgment uh, around the new rules that have been instigated uh, in order to try to protect against the um, Omicron variant mm. are adequate, uh, and whether their judgment is sound. There, at the moment, it feels as though the government is. Sort of trying to have it both ways, or Boris Johnson is trying to have it both ways to sort of protect people and to try and instigate a degree of caution, and yet to allow them to feel liberated and enjoying the uh, the, the festive period. Uh, I'm I'm not sure that well for some people that will come across as as mixed messaging. And if things, I mean, obviously we'll hope that they don't get uh, get worse and that that the that the um, the variant is not. As uh, as bad as damaging as uh, as, it, as it might be, and the, the the evidence is still unclear there. But if it does get bad and it ends up being a being a difficult winter again, you know Boris judgment Boris Johnson's judgment will be at the heart, at the sharp end of political debate.
1: Yeah and it is interesting you know because in Europe things have changed rapidly in the last couple of weeks in the sense that it's mandatory compulsory vaccines that are being brought in um and lockdowns for example in Austria I mean obviously the case situation is different but yes I think that's it's going to be a very difficult test and if if you're not confused about the christmas messaging I will say I certainly am you know does one kiss under the mistletoe and go to the nativity play or not I'm not sure um let's also talk though about what's happening with with Labour, um, because Rachel Reeves came out, she sort of helped to run the Labour campaign for this particular by-election, sort of sounding quite pleased. What do you make of the reshuffle? it seem, seem to get kind of nods of approval that, that, that Yvette Cooper, that, that David Lammy and so on seem to be sort of slightly tougher players. It looks more
3: battle-hardened. It's definitely a punchier team. Yeah. Uh, and of course, um, you know, it has Keir Starmer's imprint and authority on it. I don't think it's not something that changes the weather immediately. And the fundamental problems about Keir Starmer, just not really, um, I think many voters were concluded, just doesn't have, if you like, the charisma to cut through as a potential prime minister. I don't think that that that, that is probably a more important issue for Labour, bluntly, than his shadow cabinet colleagues, but it's a much better team. Uh, well, I mean, it's it's a significantly stronger team, I think, and I, and that will help uh, Labour. But of course, if you know, if if Keir Starmer's colleagues, I mean, let's not jump too far ahead. But in the in the Westminster, the con, you know ferment that is always bubbling away. <laughs> if if his colleagues go out there and make a much better fist of. You know, uh, getting under the conservative skin than he's been able to. Then it won't be it won't be too long before people start uh, questioning whether or not he's actually uh, in in the right position around that shadow cabinet table.
1: Yeah. And, and of course, we've got a long way to go before another general election. But bubbling away will be how voters feel about all of this. Yes, Omicron may be one and the pandemic. But the other issue, and I wonder what your view is on this, that the squeeze on household incomes, you know, the, the concerns around jobs and rising energy prices, rising inflation. I mean, That's the big picture that I hear from every voter. Anyone I talk to about this has a view.
3: Yeah. And it's been coming. uh We could see that it was going to be a big problem back in the summer. It has been sharpened by the particular squeeze on energy prices. Um, But I I thought that uh, the Labour Party had an opportunity at their party conference, because, of course, you know, the tradition or the, the, if you like, agreement is that the, the media do give each of the parties a pretty Mm. good hit while they're on their party conference. I thought that Labour should have just gone absolutely squarely on that issue of uh, living standards. And and, and it was just too, it wasn't disciplined enough for me. That's their chance to really own that issue. And there were too many other things swirling around.
2: Bloomberg Westminster. Listen weekdays at noon on DAB Digital Radio in London.